right, hey, this is Luke Michener um, on the bus, um, riding next to David Domke, and just gonna ask him a question about uh, his experiences so far. Um, so, David, what's uh, a moment or uh, an opportunity we've had on the trip so far that has really stood out to you? We, ha we had a chance to uh, participate in a new initiative by Equal Justice Initiative that is uh, to commemorate, honor, recognize people who were lynched in the United States. Um, and most of these people were African-American, mostly African-American men. And the uh, goal of the initiative by EJI is to collect soil from each of the locations where, uh, currently in just the state of Alabama, where they know a lynching occurred. And they don't always know the exact physical space, but they know close. And so we had the chance to to participate in this. And what we do, what we did, and what they're doing, is they give you a large glass jar with the name of the individual on it and the date that his death occurred. And you go to the, the, the physical coordinates of where uh, best, best understanding of, of his lynching occurred. And you collect soil from some area there and you fill the jar. And his name is on the jar. Our, our name um, was Mr. Jim Merriweather and it was a 1935 lynching in about 35 minutes by car southwest of Montgomery, Alabama in Sandy Ridge. And so we got out of the, the bus and we did this all in silence, 50, 52 of us, and then our bus driver uh, was one of those 52. And we went out in a circle and all in silence and found a, a little area and we dug up soil and filled that jar. And each of us had a chance to put dirt in that jar and filled it up and then I came up at last to do it and I knelt down and I took some dirt in my hand because one of the students who had gone just before me, Samri Tassou, had done that too and I thought that was really a caring thing. So I took some dirt in my, had used her hand, so I picked up some dirt in my hand and started to drop it in to that glass jar and I just, I was overwhelmed by the, the crime against humanity that had occurred here, the loss that he, had experienced, his family had experienced, that America had experienced. This was a man who, I, as I understand, was uh, fighting for uh, the kind of advancement of, of people of African-American descent. And that's why he was lynched. So I think that that experience will stick with me forever. Um, it, we got proximate to a terrible thing that was done to this individual, and we had a chance to honor and commemorate and recognize that. And we'll, the jar went back to Equal Justice Initiative, and we, all of us together, handed it off to them. But I'll, I think we'll all take him with us as we go forward. So yeah, I'll never forget that. Thank you. Harlan, who did we meet at the Equal Justice Initiative? We met Mr. Hunton. Um, yeah, Anthony Ray Hinton. Yeah, Anthony Ray Hinton. And he was the person who really most, pretty much stroked my whole day. I mean, I felt really compelled by his story and the way he spent all those years in prison. And I relate that to a personal story of my life. Once I was working with my father, who just passed away a couple of weeks ago. And we were in the Dominican Republic working. He is a truck driver and we were delivering paints uh, to the north part of the country. And as we were coming back home, it was in between a city called Santiago and Bonao, we, we stopped 
to exchange the merchandises we had with another truck driver because we wanted to go home that night and we needed to to sleep, we needed to eat, we needed to rest. And so we, we contacted my dad's friend to transfer that paint. But as we are doing that transfer, that transfer, a guy comes by, he just walks by. I, I didn't even pay attention that he was walking by. But a couple of minutes after, then all cops, like about two, truck, two trucks, pickup trucks and a couple of motorcycles just stopped by us. Well, these are a lot of cops in the middle of the night. Yeah, there were a lot. And all flashing lights. And they come around us and they ask, they ask us, what are you doing? We say we are just transferring these paints from this truck to this other. And they come to us and says, well, you are arrested. And we don't know why. They don't tell us why we are arrested. All of us were just really strike stroke by it because we we didn't we, we were not doing anything illegal but they didn't argue they we just showed them all the bills and the documents of our merchandise it didn't matter they just took us so i'm transferred to this jail to this little room where we have a bunch of people sleeping in there and as i as i walk in i noticed that my friend which is my dad's uh, helper, He's, uh, he works with my dad. He's got 75 pesos in his pockets, three coins of 25 pesos each. And he's asked by one of the oldest uh, person in the prison, because some of the prisoners in there were uh, sentenced to three, five months, and I think some even, even longer. And he's asked by one of them, uh, give me the money because they they heard the, the coins ringing and they 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 touched him to, to check and he said okay and he grabbed his money he gives them 25 only 25 pesos and then the guy says no give me everything and I was I was sitting there just by him and they, they were about to start a fight in there and my dad was telling him, my friend just just let go give it to him give it to him so I was really scared at the moment really uh, heartbroken just because of the injustice, how bad it feels. And we were so many people packed up in that, into that room that we had to sleep, put in uh, on the floor, hard floor, it was tile floor. And somebody had to put their head where other person had their feet in order for everybody to fit well. There were some prisoners that were sleeping by the gross toilet that was in the back. It was really gross and awful just to think that they were laying on that floor really close there. That night they, they had, I don't know the amount, but for the room we were in, there were a lot of people. And there was one specific kid, I think he was about 17 or so, I don't know, that had a, a shot on, on, his, on top of his, uh, on, above of his knee. He had been shot? Yeah, he had been shot. So he's bleeding? He was bleeding. He had kind of like a band around it, but he was bleeding, and not only bleeding, he was crying there. And I, I felt really sad for him. And I can relate, just, just that story. I was there for about nine, nine hours and a half or so. And I can relate that story to Anthony Hinton's story. Let's think about that. He, he was put in prison for about 30 years 
for something he didn't do. I was into that small jail for nine hours for something that I didn't even understand. Anthony was there for 30 years. Let's think about that for a moment. It's it's hard. It's heartbreaking to know that you're do you're you're being a charge of something you have you have not done, and there is nothing you can do to in, or in respect to that. He was there for 30 years. He comes out and he comes out full of grace. How did he not come out full of rage? I don't know, cause I can tell you, I was full of rage once I I was in. Once I, get, I got out of that jail, all I wanted to do was blow up the whole room where all the cops were. Because we were kind of like their toys at the moment. I f there, is, there was not any moment of my life where I felt so humiliated. I felt like an object at the moment. Even though I, I didn't go through aggression, there was not aggression in terms of cops uh, to citizens. but. It was hard. So what do you take from Hinton's grace, that he comes out with grace? What do you take from that in your own life? I take it as that we have to love those who do us bad, because what he did, what Hinton did, makes me understand that no matter how bad people treat us, we have to extend grace and love to them. That's that's. I, I consider Mr. Hinton as my hero for that. I'm going to ask you something personal because I was thinking about this. Hinton's biggest regret, and he cried when we spoke to him, was that his mother, who he loved, died while he was in prison. And he, couldn't, he had never was able to be with her again in that way that he had been with her. And you said your father had died. Did your, did your father go to college? He didn't. He didn't go to college. He didn't have that chance. So how do you think your father must have felt with you in prison, knowing what can happen to people at that moment? How must he have felt for you at that moment, right? He must have just been so consumed with worry, you know, for himself, sure, but mostly for you. Yeah, that's correct. I I see my dad now as, now that he's gone, he's not here anymore. I see him as this person who ha has always been proud of me, and I just, I just love him. And when I think of him, I think of courage, because he always taught me how to do good, work hard, and do my best in everything I did. Yeah. Yeah. He must have felt that way about you that day. He must have seen you being courageous too when you're in prison because you don't know what's going to happen, right? Yeah, I, I didn't know what was going to happen. And I got to tell you that I slept that night. I was a teenager, almost like a man, pretty much, young man. I was 17 years old. And I slept that night on my dad's lap. He was behind me. And the next day, one of the prisoners, I remember, he said, there were only two men who didn't sleep here. And that was me and that man over there. And the man he was referring to was my dad. He didn't sleep that night. All right, thanks. Thank you very much, Steve. Because if it did, you couldn't take it. And don't blame me. I was giving this world. I didn't.
driving 